0: Two years later
1: Welcome to Graveyard Coffee Talk, a podcast hosted by two friends with a mutual love of coffee. And mixed feelings about spooky shit. Pour yourself a cup and settle in for some caffeinated nightmares. Corinne, what is your coffee of choice today? Today, I am drinking shit.
0: <laughs> I am not <laughs> drinking shit. I am drinking an iced mocha from our local coffee shop, Synergos
1: because I am a dirty, dirty millennial. No shame in that. I also went to Cindergoss because they are delicious. Also, we drove together. That too. And I've got an Americano with just a splash of cream because their espresso is perfection and doesn't really need any help. That is valid. All right. So to kick things off, what is our card pool? So today, amazingly enough, I pulled
0: the Seven of Pentacles from the line strider Tarot. And I picked the Line Strider Tarot out of all of my tarot decks because it is a deck that deals in liminal spaces. And I feel that as we explore more folklore and the paranormal, we will be existing in that paranormal space. Um, I like it. However, this particular card is um, celebrating effort and the building of a business or an educational path that will lead to success. Yay! Which is very exciting because this is our inaugural episode And we are hoping to learn a lot as we go through this. So I was very excited to pull that particular card. That is
1: super exciting. And that's not just the caffeine talking. (laughs) I mean, it's also the caffeine talking. (laughs) Look. So our first topic, I figured you can't really get more American folklore than La Llorona.
0: I love La Llorona. She scares me. A lot, because I'm a wuss, but I do
1: love her quite a bit. I'm not a wuss, usually, and she's terrifying. Oh, good. And um, as I found out while doing research, fascinating.
0: Oh, her global variants are, I learned a lot and I went down some rabbit holes. It's going to be fun.
1: All right, well. Let's kick things off and talk about La Llorona in the Southwest United States. All right. What you got for me? All right. On moonlit nights, she wonders, damned to do so for all eternity. Her hair blacker than coal, her dress as white as her hair is black. She walks the riverbank crying for her children. So there's no one accepted origin story for La Llorona. We are going to cover... Quite a few different variants rather. Variants on um, how she started, where she came from. Uh, we do know that some early colonial texts suggest that the myth of the wandering, weeping woman in the Americas predates the Spanish conquest.
0: Yeah, and I will actually touch a little bit on that as well awesome. uh, when I dig into the Mexican and Venezuelan variants
1: specifically. Fantastic. Um, And as I'm sure you'll touch on a lot more than I'm going to right now, we can tell that the evolution of the stories throughout the centuries uh, was just irrevocably affected by the dynamic between the conquistadors and the indigenous population, women especially. Um, and mm. just a side note, fuck Cortez, fuck Columbus. We live on stolen land. Everything about this country has been built on torture and death and uh, moving on. Yes, yep, that is very accurate. All right. So we're going to focus again in my segment on her appearances in the southwestern U.S. Um, She's been primarily seen in New Mexico, southern Texas, a little bit in Arizona, a little bit in California, and as far north as Montana. That makes sense based on my understandings of how the myth has also spread, so... Um, and to quote what is, like, my new favorite website for research, legendsofamerica.com. Oh, yes. Quote, the tall, thin spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long, flowing black hair. Wearing a white gown, she roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night and searching for children to drag, screaming, to a watery grave.
0: That's so cheerful. Isn't it, though? Oh, I can't wait to go to bed tonight.
1: Right? Gosh, it is just, it, you have to start a podcast with a child murder. Great! Yeah. Check okay. Check that off the list. <laughs> we are terrible people. Yeah, we knew that. Uh, so, you know, that's pleasant. Now everyone else knows it too. Well, that's what we're putting out into the world. One thing that I found interesting, um, something that I've noticed just in my own um, amateur research on various folklores, because I am a giant nerd, a lot of... Folkloric women don't have names in their initial appearances.
0: Yeah. We'll come back to that at a later date. I have a whole rant. Beautiful. Um, But La
1: Llorona does have a name consistently in I the Southwest. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So her name is often Maria. Makes sense. She is... Kind of an every woman's spirit, and Maria is one of the most common Hispanic names in the U.S. even to this date, and I went down a research rabbit hole on that and can verify that that is still true. I would believe it. So this story could have been any woman in the community. Um, in the first version we're going to talk about, Maria was a single mother of two children. Um, she was very poor. But she Mm. was stunning. Yeah. Just the most beautiful woman for miles around. And she would go out and go dancing. And rich men, poor men, everybody in the town wanted to dance with her. And she loved the attention. Um, Kids cramped her style a little bit, though. I mean, it happens. It is. I'm a good mom. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a cat mom. (laughs) It's unclear in this version, and I've seen evidence that point to both stories being accepted, whether it was her neglect that allowed the children to get out of the house, get to the river and drown, or whether she was so frustrated with her inability to go out dancing every night because finding a babysitter is hard. And expensive. So expensive. Children are expensive. Very. And I could go on that rant, Uh too. Yay. Um, But either her kids escaped, drowned, because toddlers are not very, um, they have no self-preservation instinct Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. So either the kids went to water and said, ooh, I wonder what this is like. Jumped in. Got pulled, smashed to death in the rocks. So pleasant. Or more pleasant, she murdered her own children by drowning them. Yeah. Um, Regardless of how exactly they died, this version of the myth is consistent that she regrets her actions in the following days. Um, She begins wandering near the river where her children drowned. She doesn't eat, she doesn't sleep. Her white dress ends up in tatters mm. and filthy uh, because she's not eating. She ends up incredibly gaunt. That makes her appear taller from a distance. She appears to be a skeleton. Okay, wondering, weeping, crying for her children to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end of this origin she drowns herself in an attempt to be reunited with her children yeah 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 um like you do does not work she is cursed to wander around for eternity trying to find her children's bones so that she can finally put herself and her children to rest
0: Uh, which makes lots of sense
1: you know you you murdered your child so Uh, you should be cursed yeah a little bit um now, a fun variation that I found, because everything about, you know, child murder is fun. mm mm-hmm. that put me on a list. Yep. Uh, so there's a variation from South Texas that doesn't include any water, actually, which makes sense to me. More desert, less water around. I have something that will touch on that as well. Very exciting, very exciting. Yay. I love it when things overlap. Uh, the woman, again named Maria, mm-hmm. was so... So excited to get married to the absolute love of her life. And the priest would not marry them until she agreed to give her firstborn son to the priesthood to the church. Oh, I don't know this variant. Okay. Yeah, I thought this one was fascinating. So she agrees. She's giddy. She's in love. She wants to get married to this man. Of course, a year or so down the line, she has her first child and realizes she doesn't want to give him up to anybody. You know, she she wants to live life with her son. She wants him to experience everything that life has to offer without being locked into one thing. That's called being a good parent.
0: What? Wait, wait,
1: hold on. We have a good parent in this myth? We have a good parent in oh, this damn. myth who is punished because fucking patriarchy all the time. Yay! So it's a little unclear... From the research, um, after she makes the decision not to give that child over to the church, something happens. Mm. She is out of the home for some reason, which, again, a common theme in the La Llorona myth is if you're a mom and you leave your child for whatever reason, something terrible will happen to them, which, good lord... Cut women some
0: slack. It's hard to be a good mom. It's hard.
1: Not that I have children, but I have friends it's with children. hard to be a good mom. And sometimes leaving the house makes you love your family a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unclear what happens. She's away from the house. When she comes back, her entire home is up in flames. And she can hear her children crying from within great house fire this is a very interesting variant yes so again she's a good mother in this myth she Mm -hmm. runs in to try to rescue them they die in her arms oh i don't like that oh that's sad she stumbles out of the house just overwrought with grief and her facial features transform into those of a donkey Okay. So that everyone in town knows that God is mad at her for reneging on her promise to the church. That's so. There is a lot to unpack there. Mm hmm. It's very Shakespearean. A lot to unpack there.
0: Wild. Okay. Yeah, that's a whole new one on me.
1: I, again, I saw that one. I saw it backed up a couple different places and wild mind-boggling i had never heard of that version of the myth before
0: wild okay
1: wow yeah so on to some sightings Mm -hmm. um so people who claim to have seen her um one thing that always stays the same is she is calling for her children yes Her face can be that of a donkey, like we just discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, That seems to be pretty confined just to the southern Texas and Mexico border. Okay. That one doesn't seem to have traveled much in either direction. Um, It's sometimes a blank stretch of decayed skin where her face should be. Mm -hmm. So there's no mouth, but you can still hear her sobbing and crying out for... Great. Her children. Super.
0: That is some real nightmare
1: material. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Or my personal favorite that I, once I envisioned it, could not stop thinking about. And
0: so you're it's share terrifying.
1: It. Of course I am. Great. Thanks. I'll apologize to your husband later yeah. for your inability to sleep. Thanks. Um, her eyes are dark and sunken in and entirely too large for her face. So that's a nope. Oh, we're not done. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and her mouth stretches down to her, like, opens up and keeps opening so that her chin don't is, like, like stretching that. down her neck. And it is just an abyss on her body, wailing for her child.
0: Oh, I don't like it.
1: Um, And then something that I found really interesting about the Southwestern version of the myth, because I guess... Growing up, I'd mostly heard more about the Mexican variations. Mm-hmm. She's pretty harmless to adults. Adults will see her. Adults will hear her. But best I can tell, um, again, I am a middle class white woman from Kentucky. So this is all based on research and not at all based on personal experience. Mm-hmm. And I could have this completely wrong. Mm hmm. Uh- she really doesn't bother adults. Like, she'll creep you out. I am thoroughly creeped. But she's not going to harm an adult. Children, though? <laughs> keep your kids away from rivers when you're in the Southwest. I and mean... In general, keep your kids away from rivers if they're not supervised. What is wrong with you?
0: Having, having seen Arroyos in the Southwest, I get that. Because it's like, oh, look at this dry riverbed. And then it's not dry anymore and you're fucking dead. Yep. So I get that. I get where that's coming from.
1: Um, Awesome. And she will grab your kids and drag them down as deep as the river goes. And the last thing your child will hear is her saying, oh, my children, where shall I take you now? I don't like that. (laughs) I have goosebumps and I don't like that. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to complete speculation here on this woman who may or may not exist. I like to think that she doesn't drag those kids down out of malice as much as she's just trying to make sure her kids have friends in the afterlife. That's worse. You do get how that's worse, right? (laughs) It is. It is worse. Thank you. And I just hope that that afterlife has just so many therapists around. I don't like it. So, um, to wrap up my segment a little bit, um, I agree with the historians who believe that the myth is primarily used as a way for parents to keep their kids away from dangerous bodies of water or a way to explain child death to other children without having to ruin a kid's innocence and and talk about how people can be monsters Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to explain to an eight-year-old that their friend died because another adult decided to kill them and throw their body in a river yeah Um, but a ghost did it like that's what ghosts do they're scary they take things and it's i'm not sure it's the healthiest way to process grief but I can see where it would be tempting as a parent to bring these myths up. Um, and then one that is just wild speculation on my part. I found zero articles backing this up. Um, a lot of it is from my own experience dealing with the postpartum period. A lot of the myth feels to me like an explanation of a woman experiencing postpartum psychosis.
0: I, yeah. Uh, Especially some of the research that I came across, I think, would speak a little bit to that as well.
1: I, you know, it's a woman resenting her kids. Mm -hmm. It's a woman being driven so far by this resentment to murder her own child. Yeah. Um, and, And I know that psychosis isn't the only reason that people murder their children. I can't fathom it. But... You know, I understand that there are other reasons. I just feel like this is very much a way that any community pre-modern-day psychological understanding of motherhood, of mental health, mm. would explain away.
0: It's a good conceptualization. How, how a woman could do this. Yeah, And then to be so impacted by that grief afterwards.
1: Exactly. Um, and again, it is all very much a manifestation of patriarchal expectations on women around the world, but especially in these communities. Definitely. And that's my
0: segment. All right. So I looked at this from a bit more of a global perspective. I started out doing some research and I found a lot of interrelated stories about the larger archetype, which are women in white, Okay. which are not necessarily but like, La Llorona is a woman in white not all women in white are like La Llorona makes sense um but i thought that i was digging a little bit too deep and a little bit too broad and not everything really related so i decided to focus very specifically on La Llorona as she has talked about in mexican mythology and in venezuelan mythology Interesting. I didn't realize she went as far she
1: south. She do. She
0: do go that far south. Um, okay. I don't have as much about Venezuela. I had some hard times finding as much detailed documentation as there is on Mexican manifestations of La Llorona. Um, because Mexican La Llorona is very tied to a lot of like the, the mythology of the creation of Mexico. And some Nahua gods and... Um, Specifically, the Spanish conquest. You know, we've already fucked Cortez. But again, fuck Cortez.
1: A uh, hundred
0: and ten percent. And I'll get into that a little bit more. So I will start with Venezuela because I have not as much okay. on her. Uh, I just I have the outline of the story and like one little bit that I found absolutely freaking hilarious. And it has to be shared. Fantastic. I'm so excited. The most widely known version in Venezuela is that this woman falls in love with a soldier. Um, okay. They have a baby together and he leaves her. That? Because he's a douche canoe. Dick. He is a douche canoe. Anywho, um, the baby one day is just crying and crying and crying. And this woman snaps and murders her child. Which, again, kind of speaking to your, your kind of offshoot on postpartum depression and anxiety. Th- th- almost Understandable. Sometimes
1: oh, 100% understandable. There's a reason that even today, <laughs> nope. you can't leave the hospital after giving birth until you watch a lot of depressing videos about shaken baby syndrome.
0: Understandable. So, she kills this baby. She realizes what she's done, and she runs out into the sc- streets screaming and crying because, oh my god, what has she done? And all of her neighbors come out, realize that she has murdered her own infant, And start immediately heaping scorn on her, yelling at her, berating her, abusing her.
1: So there's no
0: support structure here.
1: Helpful for a a woman in crisis. I am glad. mm -hmm. The village rallied around this woman and helped her out with that kid instead of... Yes,
0: very helpful. They created a spirit. So she runs into this region called Los Llanos, which is... I didn't do enough research into it, but the pictures I saw... ...are very flat, lots of water. So again, we, we have the stories of water. And she is never seen again. Well, in life. Okay. <laughs> so she is a ghost who's coming back and haunting this area. And unlike Dallorona up in North America, not only will she haunt adults... ...she very specifically targets people who have been unfaithful to their lovers... Good for her, and she also spirits away neglected children, and will chase very mischievous ones. Okay. So you can use her to threaten your kid if they're being a little shithead. You're like, La is going to get you because you're a shit." So I like it, and I'm
1: straight. Yeah, that is a healthy way to discipline your child. Mm-hmm.
0: That's certainly what my parents did. <laughs> no, I'm joking. My parents did not threaten me with Layon. Like Amanda, I am also very white, very middle class, and <laughs> grew up in Kentucky. Um, but one thing that I did learn about how people in Venezuela handle La Llorona, if she's coming after you, say you have cheated on your lover. Oh,
1: At that point, you deserve her coming after you. You do,
0: but you can get her to go away. Really? So even more effective than praying in Venezuela is to yell swears. At ghosts and haunts who come after you. So ghosts are prudes. Apparently. But you know what? My first impulse, if a ghost is chasing my ass, is to swear. Yeah? The Our Fathers and the Hail Marys are going to come later. I'm so sorry, parents. I know you sent me to Catholic schools. But the swears come first.
1: It's true. It's true. And if you tell me that a wailing, weeping woman in white floating towards you isn't gonna make you go what the actual fuck before or after an initial scream of terror of course Mm -hmm. you're a lying whore yep
0: (laughs) all right so that's really all i have on uh, la llorona in venezuela which i apologize for i probably could have done some more research but it is what it is because what happened is i started reading a lot about mexican la llorona Which is the very similar story, a young woman, usually indigenous. Okay. um, Depending on the story, either she is the mistress of an aristocratic, of European origin man, or his wife. Okay. You see both of those versions. Uh, She has his children, and either he is unfaithful to her, uh, and in a fit of despair, she murders her children, or in some variants he's actually married to another aristocratic European woman because, you know, this is the indigenous mistress. Right. And they want to take the child from her and raise the baby as their own. Don't like that. Nope. So, again, in a fit of despair, she drowns her child or children. It's always either
1: one or two. I I noticed that in the Southwest as well. It's pretty consistently two.
0: Yeah, I saw that a lot. And I think I might – know possibly where some of that is coming from uh, but anyway she murders the children and then in despair and grief murders herself okay. um, and is frequently used to warn children away from waterways because again water is dangerous you cannot breathe underwater it is a challenge it's true
1: and water really doesn't care what sort of person you are mm-hmm. you fall in it Moana lied to you <laughs> The water's not going to take care of you. Probably not.
0: But um, one of the things that I found while I was doing this research is a lot of tying into a figure from uh, the Spanish conquest, a woman who is referred to as La Malinche. Okay. Uh, La Malinche was an indigenous, indigenous Nahua woman who was Cortez's um, translator and also his mistress. Okay. Uh, according to the best recounting that we can find, uh, she was probably the daughter of minor nobility. Her father passed away. Her mother sold her into slavery. Jesus. Uh-huh. And at some point, the, uh, the leader to whom she was sold to as a slave was in battle with the Conquistadors. The Conquistadors won. And they're like, okay, We're sorry, here are just so many slaves. Gave them a whole slew, mostly women, because, you know, it's great like that. Patriarchy.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Just, I have a feeling that is going to be a running theme in this podcast, not just this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Is men ruin... Everything. Everything.
0: But any whoozles. You know, they... She is one of the women acquired by Cortez and his men. She is given to, I don't remember this man's name, one of the other men in Cortez's group. Okay. They realize, A, she is extremely gifted with languages. She picks up Spanish very quickly and can also translate amongst the other indigenous tribes. She also has an incredible mind for strategy. And Cortez is like, no, 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 no. This one is mine. I'm keeping her. She is important to me. I'll give you a different woman. I
1: hate when awful people
0: make good decisions. And they did. She was, by all accounts, just a brilliant woman. Um, she did bear at least one child, maybe two. So uh, a young man named Martin Cortez, who would have been one of the first mestizo children born. Okay. Um, so to this day, she is often seen as a traitor of the Mexican people. But it's, from a modern perspective, very hard to judge her, because she was sold by her own people into slavery. She was trying to survive an impossible situation. So it's just, it's a whole fucked up thing, and it's hard to lay any sort of judgment at her feet, or at anyone's feet, because of just the complexities going around. And I I want to tread carefully, because again, I am a white woman, Talking about a history that is not mine and an experience that is not mine.
1: I mean, all absolutely lay judgment at the feet of Cortez. Yeah, and well, Cortez is a dick. The conquistadors, so. But um,
0: they talk about, where is it in my research? Oh, they talk about, people are like a malinchista. So they're still invoking her name as like, oh, well, you're kind of like, you suck. You're basically a traitor to the people. Like, to this day, that is a concept that is still used. Wow. This poor woman has been exorciated throughout history because Cortez couldn't keep it in his pants. Yeah? So it's, it's very fascinating. Um, but I was like, okay, so I get it. Why is La Malinche so ingrained with La Llorona? And it turns out that writers kind of started to conflate the two stories, uh, specifically... There was a writer, Rudolfo Anaya, who wrote a story called The Legend of La Llorona in 1984, where in this sort of fictionalization tying the La Malinche story to La Llorona, talked about how, oh, she went to uh, the temple in Mexico City, one of the, the remaining temples to the Aztec gods, and was told to sacrifice her children Okay. for the future of Mexico, now, this is entirely fictional. Right. Which, I'm not going to lie, there was a small party who goes, oh, she didn't actually murder her kids? Damn.
1: And then went, what the fuck wow. is wrong with me? <laughs> Corinne. What is wrong with me? I, we don't have time to unpack that list. No, we don't.
0: We don't. Probably this will be a future episode. <laughs> um, so that was kind of really interesting that this poor woman is just a symbol of treachery for all eternity. And has been so closely tied with the story of a woman who, in some really messed up patriarchal ways, failed at being a mom. That is heartbreaking. It's awful. It's so awful. And so often when you look at these stories, there is always this aspect where – there's a socioeconomic aspect. Always. It's typically a poor woman, very often indigenous, and so now we're even getting into racism, who have a higher status lover or husband. Okay. Um, and so uh, there was a researcher whose work I was reading, uh, Barbus America, who wrote... Women Hollering, Contemporary Chicano Inscriptions of La Iona Mythography is the piece that I read, and I will put this in our show notes. Um, But she was talking about uh, research done by another woman named Pamela Jones, who talked to students at the University of Oregon, and then also with, and they were all Chicano students. so Students who would have grown up with the, the legend. And then also Mexican immigrant women at the Women, Infants, and Children's Center that she worked at. And you saw this dichotomy where the kids who grew up in the United States frequently would point to, oh, it was the lover's betrayal that was the catalyst for her murdering her child. Okay. But if you talked to the women from Mexico, uh, very frequently they would cite the woman's inability to care for her child properly, whether that was being able to feed them. Whether that was being able to go to work and have someone look after their kids. Or, as in some of the legends that you were citing, you know, she wanted to go out and have a wife. Right. But was constrained by having a child. Oh, wow. It's really fascinating, this, this dichotomy. Just kind of like a, a little last-minute thing over the evolution of this story that I found really interesting. This is, again, from Barbara Samerica's notes. Um, she was talking about research done by a man named Ed Walraven. I am so sorry if I said that poor man's name wrong. Okay. (laughs) Um, English, I speak it. But he was talking about how as the story has migrated from more rural areas where open bodies of water are very much a danger. Right. Into more urban environments. You start seeing instances of the legend where she appears in dumps and landfills. Interesting. Because that's still, that's more about a no man's land. And also you get into, you know, the stories about people leaving their babies in dumpsters. Oh, wow. Right? So that evolution is just fascinating to me. As well as, um, as I was reading some of these uh, Chicano scholars talking about how the story is being reinterpreted in the modern day with more feminist takes from a really fucked up one about two lesbians... It was weird. I will send you those notes. Please. Because I was like, I don't, what? Who's a what now? Okay. To one where a woman breaks the cycle. And that's the one I really loved, where she's stuck in this small rural town with her husband and her baby. And she sits by the creek and is crying all the time because she's so fucking isolated. But she gets help. Oh, good. She gets the, the mental health help that she needs. So, instead of La Llorona, the crying woman, she... Uh, what was the word that they used specifically? Um, so, so, it was uh, Gritona. So, gritar is to yell. And in this, it's implied it's a joyful shouting because she's broken that cycle. Oh, I love that. You make me really happy. See, not everything has
1: to be horrifying. I mean, it's more fun when it is, but...
0: Mm, Opinions differ. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is the research that I did. That is what I learned, and I really loved it, and I'm so excited to delve more into these stories that I don't know. Um, And I... Actually did more research on, you know, the connections to Aztec gods, but I don't trust my Nahuatl pronunciation as That's far as fair. I can throw it. And I want to be respectful and not slaughter these pronunciations. Spanish I got. Yes. French I
1: got. Nahuatl. Not so much. That is fair. And I'm sure I'm sure a certain section of people who listen to this podcast will be angry about it, but you won't listen to a second episode anyway. And eventually my pronunciation will get better. Exactly.
0: And it'll be fun, yeah. But yeah, that is my section of this story.
1: That is fascinating. I am looking forward to looking through your notes and finding the book's mentioned and i will
0: absolutely i really want to find a copy of um the legend of the Aorona, the one from 1984 it is a novella okay. and i don't know based on what i was reading if it is a spanish language piece that i would have to find in translation or if it was written in english um i i don't have that information available to me i'm sure i could look it up but i would definitely be interested in
1: reading it a hundred percent just to I am just baffled by the connection between this this woman who probably was a fantastic mom. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, in Spanish, she was called Doña
0: Marina. Um, It was essentially a Christianization of her given name. Okay. Which, again, I'm so sorry. I can try and pronounce it and everyone will be mad at me. So I'm going to use the Spanish like a schmuck. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's so cool. I really want to dig more into this at a later date. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We might have to like revisit this down the line.
1: I would love to. I think as we get better at doing this research mm-hmm. and picking out the bits that are lesser known to a wider audience I, I think it'll be a fantastic idea to go back and revisit older topics 100 percent! yay all right well thank you guys for listening to us prattle on for wow um so sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares you guys thank you for listening to graveyard coffee talk our
0: theme music is pretty little dead girls by and Maguire. Copyright 2006, and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at GraveyardCoffetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at GraveyardCoffee Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard. The storm is they say she's out there. The looking 16 But she never grew up and she never will Some people say that she's just a legend Well she is Some people say that she's something